Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Yeah. 
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. You can support this project at echoplexmedia or at twitch. No, at Discord. No, that's not right either. How about patreon.com slash echoplex? Or you can just go to our website, Echoplex Media, and click on that support tab. I'm a little frazzled today, but that's okay. I only have to host one show tonight. So I'm producer Dave, and you can find me on Grinder. What's up? This is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-E underscore councilman and constantly frazzled these days because of uh, the little creature sitting here in my lap. And I'm afraid to move her because I'm pretty sure she just took the enormous fucking dump right before the show started. So this is going to be a, an adventure for the next uh, little while until the good wife shows up. So uh, anyway, that? very excited to be very excited to be here as always <laughs> excited to dip into local derp uh, both here and elsewhere, because as we all know, all derp is local. And yeah, if you want to give me some money, just go ahead. <laughs> I'm on. I'll give you my. I'll, t- I'll send you my Venmo. Just give me some money. That's I right. I, I won't tell you what I'm using it for. I, it's probably for drugs. <laughs> so we have a we have a lot to cover this week, and we I'd like yeah. to be out of here exactly at quarter after. So let's like let's get to it here. Um, let's do it. First first story. Usually eh, not very. Probably the least down ballady story we're ever going to cover. They're turning off the lights on the Bay Bridge for hopefully a reason that uh, KPI X5 will tell us in a moment. It's money. The twinkling lights of the Bay Bridge will be turned off in March. As Devin Feely reports, their future depends on getting some large donations. We had high hopes for what it could mean for San Francisco, but it has been vastly exceeded what even we hoped it could be. It, it, it's become integral to the city and the energy of the city. It is one of the most visible and beloved art installations in the Bay Area, the thousands upon thousands of lights that illuminate and sparkle and adorn the Bay Bridge each and every night. And they're about to go dark. The LEDs are suffering in the harsh conditions of the Bay Bridge and Bay, in San Francisco Bay. They're failing at a rate faster than we can keep up. So we're going to do the responsible thing, which is rather than let the artwork decay, we're going to take it down. The arts nonprofit Illuminate will pull the plug on the Bay Lights on March 5th, the project's 10-year anniversary. But how long they remain dark and down depends on the results of an $11 million fundraising campaign. There is a possibility that the Bay Lights would go dark and never come back. But I think given the resources in the Bay Area, the love for this project, the generosity of our community, that we will come back. The real question is how quickly will we come back? The ultimate plan is to bring the Bay Lights back with newer, better, more durable technology and twice the number of lights. But that costs money and will take time and requires an enormous investment by the public in the beauty of art. When the Bay Lights go dark, uh, I believe it will leave a hole in the city's nighttime skyline and I think it will punch a hole in the psyche of the city. But uh, but what we want to have is a powerful story of renew- rebirth and renewal. David says that it'll take uh, six to eight months once the funding is secure to order and install new lights on the bridge. That guy was a little dramatic. I'll, I'll say he was I, a little dramatic. It's going to carve a hole in the psyche of the city, producer Dave. I mean, I'm all for public art, and I definitely appreciate the Bay Lights. But, uh, you know, it would take a lot more than that, I think, to cut a hole in the psyche of San Francisco. They're pretty full of themselves. They got a lot to look at up there. Yeah, they, they do. They do. It's, it's, I don't think the people in the city care that much about the lights. I think, like, the tourists really like the lights on the bridge more than anything else. The people in the city yeah, probably don't sure. care. 
for sure. I, I mean, I tuned into uh, the figure skating championships this weekend just briefly, right? Because they were in San Jose, right? And the lead off to the show, we're in, here we are in San Jose, just an hour south of San Francisco. <laughs> so that's our claim to fame, apparently, is that we're an hour south of San Francisco. And their claim to fame is that they have Court Tower and the, the winding road and the pyramid and now the lights, but the lights won't be there. So they'll still have the pyramid and the winding road and the Court Tower and Golden Gate and all that shit. So good on them. And, and all San Jose will have is a nightlife with only men. And that's not just the gay club. In fact, all the women are at the gay club. And that underpass between downtown and the and the SAP Center with the little you know circular lights on it. Yeah, I guess something. you're right. That's almost the same thing. It's kind of like our you know bay lights. That's almost the it's same. Our, thing. It's our it's our Guadalupe Creek lights. All right. Well, that uh-huh. was a, that was the least down ballady story you're going to get. Now, unfortunately, we're going to move on to we're going to move up north to the city of Reading. Uh, we're not going to be watching a. Uh, uh, board of soups meeting although i have a feeling the next board of soups meeting up there is going to be pretty spicy as a result of this um depending the city might be the ones that oversee the police department so but the reading city council is probably pretty lit too they don't broadcast that so if there's going to be fireworks ah, rough so anyway here we go we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next story this is police brutality investigation in the reading police department it's just an investigation folks don't worry nothing to see here Caught on camera, a Reading police officer kicking someone in the head. Is it the media winch? What you're looking no. at happened last <laughs> Monday, and you can hear the suspect, Kevin Hersey, crying out, even apologizing, as about eight police officers and a canine try to arrest him. This video was taken by Tasha Dotty. Police say they oh. got reports that Hersey was trying to break into parked cars and thought he was intoxicated and tried to grab a weapon, though they never confirmed finding a weapon. Action News Now reporter Tori Apodaca has been tracking the story all day and joins us now live outside of the Reading City Hall. So Tori, how are investigators handling all this? Well, Anderson PD is looking into if these Reading police officers acted criminally. And if this is found to be true, the Shasta County DA will look into it. I like that her email is Tapodaca. Here's that video that triggered this investigation and led to an officer being placed on administrative leave with pay. Reading police officers currently do not wear body cameras, but that is changing. Coincidentally, we have eight body cameras going into service tomorrow in a trial. Um, last year, City Council approved a body-worn camera. Action News Now has leftist audio. Um, at my request, their audio is garbage. Uh, funding goes into effect July 1st of this year. Um, however, we're trying to move quicker than that. We think we need to start to reform you know, law enforcement and the way they're dealing with people on a daily basis because we're just having too many incidents like this all the time. Schuler says body cameras would have helped shed more light on what happened because we would have had more angles to look at. The money for the body cameras will be coming from Reading's general fund, totaling $750,000. And again, Reading officers will start testing the body cameras tomorrow, and then they do have another 45-day trial coming up. Chief Schuler says that having these body cameras is very important for transparency with the public. 
Reporting live in Reading, Tori Apodaca, Action News Now, coverage you can count on. Thank you, Tori. The chief also says he's pushing to get the camera, the body camera, sooner than July 1st. A community group is planning a protest to demand police body cameras come as soon as possible. And that Bring your own signs. Yeah, well, I mean... Are we, go are we going? It's too late? What do you... So, uh, I like how they had said, oh, it'd be great if we had body cameras because we'd have more angles of that. Like, you needed another angle of what you were just <laughs> looking at to kind of, they, uh, like, they were whooping that dude's ass. And then all of a sudden, somebody was like, here, pupper, come on, come on, pupper, come on, bite this guy. Like, we, we were not, we were not, not privy to the, the gist of what was happening there. You couldn't hear all the fabulous audio and, you know, what everyone was saying in real time. So here's another here's another news hit. This is from KRCR, the uh, ABC affiliate out of Reading. I mean, maybe this is another news hit. This is the local news channel's website. Who knows if it's going to play or not? And this is just uh, the the police chief talking some more about body cameras. We start with local news coverage in Shasta County now, where a Reading police officer is being investigated after video circulated on social media that the police chief says shows one officer, quote, forcefully stepping on the head of a suspect. And a heads up for you, some may find this footage graphic. Oh, the cop kicked him in the face. All right, that arrest video prompting an investigation into the moment you just saw there. Our reporter, Anna Montemore, sat down with the Reading police chief to learn more about the... The language the local news chooses is always really interesting. They're like, that arrest video. It's like, mm. what? Really? That arrest video? We just, we just watched an ass whooping. That wasn't really an arrest, yeah. I mean, there might have been an arrest at the end of the video at some point. But yeah, the video was not of an arrest. The allegations no. of excessive force. On January 23rd, Reading police officers responded to a call of a man reportedly trying to break into cars outside a hospice care facility. Two officers responded at first and RPD says the suspect, 39-year-old Kevin Hersey, was uncooperative and appeared to be high on drugs. Police say that the suspect continued to place his hands in his waistband area like he was trying to grab a weapon. That's when the officer tried to de-escalate and called for backup. The police chief says officers deployed a less lethal beanbag oh. round and canine. The struggle continued, oh. caught on camera by a bystander and with one officer, quote, forcefully stepping on the oh. head of a suspect, according to RPD. This is not the suspect's first run-in with the law. In this video from 2018, he was arrested after police say he assaulted officers when they tried to prevent him from jumping off a bridge into the Sacramento River. He has a history with a lot of law enforcement in Shasta County. In fact, he had been arrested three times in a little over 24 hours. Reading Police Chief Bill Schuler says the officer involved is under investigation for what they believe could be a policy violation. Officials say that Hersey was treated for minor to moderate injuries and was booked into the Shasta County Jail for resisting and obstructing an officer, violence against a peace officer, prowling, vehicle tampering, interfering with a police canine, being intoxicated. <laughs> public interfering with a police Wait, canine? Didn't they just say they introduced the canine to de-escalate the situation? What do you mean interfering with the police canine? Like the police canine was trying to bite him. And so he was trying to stop the canine from biting him. Interfering with a police canine. That's like interfering with a bullet, right? Police bullshit charges. In terms of his post-release community supervision. I will just say that we take any kind of allegations of uh, 
excessive force or any other misconduct seriously, and we will we will make sure that they're investigated and respond accordingly. And meanwhile, I believe in the wake him. of the Reading incident, many are asking why RPD doesn't have body cameras yet. Well, the decision to get police body cameras was previously approved by Reading City Council, and the chief says it's been in the works for some time. My favorite is the, the guy in the background today. with the shoddy, right? Like, just sort of standing there waiting, like, just in case the five cops and the canine don't keep this guy subdued. I've got my shoddy ready. <laughs> Well, I think that was, they had said they used a beanbag round on him, so it was probably a beanbag shotgun. Oh, right, shotgun. sorry, a beanbag shotgun. Well, regardless, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just in case he's ready. 90-day trial with one vendor, um, and then we have another 45-day trial with another vendor that'll run simultaneous to that one. So, yeah, we, July 1 is, is the deadline, but I'm hoping to bring full implementation before that. In meantime, some residents have planned a police accountability protest at Reading City Hall this Thursday at 6 p.m. Collective. It's a very oh man, the autoplay on these websites. I like the. I just can't believe interfering with a police canine. That was one of the charges. That's, that's just awful. I feel the dog should be offended by that one. Oh um, man, that's rough. But like, okay, so de-escalating is introducing the dog. De-escalating is shooting him with a beanbag like that's de-escalating the situation right and reaching for his waistband as if grabbing for a weapon which they never saw and never found right and therefore give him this beating i mean i guess we should be happy that he's white and he didn't get shot 60 times because that's what would have fucking happened if the guy was black we all know it um if he reached for his waist one time he would have been shot 60 times but yeah i don't understand de-escalation as beanbags and dogs. Yeah, it's... I... Yikes. I mean, there's just... There's... I don't know. There, this is this shit's all rotten to the core. I talked a little, a little bit about it on the, the Sunday show, The Plex, which the podcast of came out. You know, like, I had brought it up on Sunday, and, you know, they're like, oh, most cops are good cops, and I'm like, okay, so we were watching them all whoop this guy's ass. Where the fuck were... The, which one of those was the good cop? Right. <laughs> Can you please point to the good cop? <laughs> Or more, more. I mean, even okay, fine. Maybe, yeah. There are. I do know for a fact there are actually good people who are police officers, also police officers. However, the argument about the the rotten apple, right? I, that's the one I just can't stand. It is. It is. Per, it's prevalent. It is prevalent. It is everywhere. It is. It is. In, it's infested the entire system. This cowboy violent attitude, and it's. I would say it's even the majority of cops are like that. Not all of them. But the majority for sure. So like the idea that there's some rotten apples you can weed out and you not actually like attack the system that has created these and, and perpetuates and facilitates these people uh, and accepts them into their ranks. You know, that's the that's the real problem. So up next, is, <clears throat> up next is a San Francisco uh, pizza shop employee who I think uh, was wrongfully terminated. And we'll, we'll let the news let the news tell you why. New at six tonight, no pizza for the badge. An employee at a popular pizza parlor in the city told several SFPD officers over the weekend that they were not welcome in the oh. eatery oh. and asked them to leave. Now that denial of service launching a quick debate as the owner of the shop offers an apology. But the controversy and the backlash have been slow to cool. Here's NBC Barria, Sergio Quintana. Pizza Squared on Brannon Street near 8th Street, the Monday lunch hour was pretty steady. For a lot of regular customers in the neighborhood spot, this is one of their favorites. I enjoy the pizza. 
I like their salads actually better. Today was a quick pizza day though. Pizza's great. <laughs> no, really, the pizza's great. None of the customers we talked with had heard about the weekend incident, but all said they were surprised that it happened here. Since yesterday, several one-star reviews have popped up on Yelp, directly referencing what happened and criticizing the decision to ask the officers to leave. I talked with the owner of Pizza Squared by phone. She says she doesn't want to speak on camera, but tells me that the employee that asked those police officers to leave this weekend was only with them for four days. He was a trainee and he has since been fired. She has also apologized and has been communicating with the San Francisco Police Officers Association about it, something the POA acknowledged on its Twitter feed, tweeting, We appreciate the owner's swift apology, praise for the hard work our officers do, and the owner's commitment to meeting with the affected officers. This all comes as many communities are again re-examining the role of police departments across the country after Memphis police released graphic videos of several officers beating Tyree Nichols to death during a traffic stop earlier this month. Five have been fired and criminally charged. Two more Memphis police officers were fired today. In protests across the country this weekend, some are now pushing for more reforms, including restricting police from certain roles like traffic enforcement. Others say they've gotten to a place where police make them feel more afraid than safe. But it also comes as many San Francisco residents are pushing for more police to help combat the rise in open drug markets, property crimes and assaults on members of some communities. At the moment, the San Francisco Police Department is understaffed by more than 500 officers. And San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott says they're having trouble recruiting new cops. Hold us accountable. Make sure that we do things the way we're supposed to do things, but support us. Because if we have a city where police officers are supported, I think people may want to work here rather than not work here. The San Francisco Police Academy just graduated 12 new officers and Chief Bill Scott swore them in this weekend. It's one of the smallest graduating class in years. In San Francisco, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. Shout out critical support to that pizza employee and they should have made that person the assistant manager immediately. <laughs> yes. Uh, very well done. However, uh, I think we all knew where that was headed eventually. Once, once the POA gets involved, you know, it's only a matter of time where things go south. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, if the if the owner of the business doesn't want people to refuse service to the cops, I guess they can fire people. But I mean, if they're only yeah. on the job four days, they're like, this job isn't that great anyway. Let's 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 have a, let's let's do the right thing here. Let's let's they not have great serve salads. The cops. I heard they have great salads. Apparently, they I do. Don't know about I, 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 the pizza's okay, but the, the salads are really where it's at, apparently. What if they have an all-you-can-eat salad bar? Like, no, that's, that's, there's no, I don't no. think there are any of those anymore. Sunflower seeds? Raisins? All the raisins. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on down to the South Bay here. Uh, looks mm. like uh, Santa Clara County officials are going to in increase outreach to the, the homeless uh, during this cold snap. So they're going to do outreach? Yes. I guess so. Oh, great. Santa <laughs> Clara County is also scrambling to protect its most vulnerable residents from the cold. Devin Feely joins us from an encampment in San Jose with that story. Devin. Yeah, the sun is about to go down and temperatures right along with it. You can see some homeless men and women at the encampment behind me here in San Jose. Now, for most of us, when it gets really cold overnight, it's just a matter of some inconvenience. But when you're living on the street, it might be a matter of life and death. There's homeless people out here in the cold, and they froze to death. 
When the margin of survival is the thin membrane of a tent and a few ragged blankets, every degree the temperature drops makes a big difference. Just ask Brayman Washington, who's been homeless off and on for the past 25 years. It feels pretty horrible. And um, it's depressing. It's difficult not having any shelter, period. Um, due to the extreme weather that, you know, we have out here. Santa Clara County has activated its emergency cold weather plan, opening warming centers at libraries countywide during the day and adding additional shelter beds to the roughly 2,500 beds available each night. The goal is to get as many people as possible out of the cold and into shelter. They're living under, you know, tents that are tattered. They're living under tarps. They're right on the riverbed. You know, they, they might have a cold or pneumonia or they might even have COVID. And so, again, it's going to be a challenge. It's always been a challenge. Pastor Scott Wagers passed out warm clothes and blankets at a homeless encampment near downtown San Jose. A bit of added insurance, he says, against the cold. Brayman recently got housed, but fears for his friends facing bone-chilling temperatures on the street. It's horrible, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's unhealthy for, the self, for, for yourself, and um, um, that's why we have these warming centers. A spokesperson for the county says the plan is to have those additional emergency shelter beds available through the end of the week. They're also doing outreach to homeless encampments, passing out blankets and warm weather for people who may choose to remain here in these encampments. May choose? Thanks, Devin Feely, reporting live in San Jose. Yes, uh, yes, that narrative has become more and more prevalent, and Mayor Beto is, or sorry, Mayor Zuck is uh, perpetuating it with the language he uses about um, people who choose to stay outside or choose to remain unhoused. Love that. <clears throat> if, they're, if they're adding like some emergency capacity at the shelters, that means there aren't enough beds. So it, for, for many people, this is not a choice. Right. And there, there aren't enough. And that's, that's fundamentally, that's the thing. Um, you and I agree. I think everyone, agree, experts, advocates agree, get people housed, right? And it all flows from there. Um, but even just in an emergency situation like this, right, when it's butt cold or it's raining constantly and people are dying on the streets, the fact that we can't figure out a way just to have shelter beds enough for everyone, I don't care if it's 6,000 people or 7,000 people, we should be able to figure that out. And for, you know, emergency shelter situation, I don't like the idea of, you know, I, I'm certainly not into this whole concentration camp idea of like, let's just house all the homeless at the fairgrounds, right? Um, but th we have spaces like that, that in an emergency, absolutely, we should be, you know, busing people. We should be like, you know, sending out uh, uh, roving details of people to to pick people up. Hey, you need, you need a place to stay tonight? We got you. Come with us, right? But you can bring your shit. You can bring your dog. Um, we should be able to figure this out. It's not that difficult. It's just that every, so many people are excited about helping these folks and then when it comes to it being in their neighborhood they don't want it right help them um, somewhere else yeah help help them somewhere else i'll give you my tax dollars and you can go build a shelter somewhere else i will you know i'll come here and talk and support this and i'll, I'll be nice and hand out some food to them but as long as they're not living right down the street from my school or my church or my house right um despite the fact that we statistics show that house people commit crimes at a higher rate than unhoused people have a lot, just, they have a lot more going on and they contribute a lot more to, you know, environmental waste and, and pollution and all sorts of manner of things um, than unhoused people do. Unhoused people are just trying to survive, you know, like the rest of us that are screwing everything up. 
<clears throat> so uh-huh. in our next story, imagine you get this, it's like the middle-class tax relief thing from, from the state mm-hmm. and they send it, they send you a visa debit card and then nice. Well, then imagine like an ATM eats it. Oh, not so nice. It's always now more than 9 million Californians have received their middle-class tax refunds from the state loaded onto those debit cards. But many report that scammers stole the money off those cards. Others threw them out by mistake. Yeah, one Bay Area couple had their own fiasco. Seven on your side's Michael Finney says it began with a routine trip to the ATM. I got This is a crazy story. Okay. The, the, this is nuts. <laughs> this couple was one of the first to get a debit card last November. But when they slid the card into an ATM, ATM it did not come back out. Their money did not come out either. What they went through to get it back is both kind of funny, but definitely infuriating. It just sucked it up. It was gone. Don Brindle was at a loss. He had gone to an ATM to cash in the $700 debit card he and his wife got from the state for inflation relief. But there was one little problem. I put the card in and then nothing happened. Then all of a sudden I heard it swallow the card. You know, it made some kind of noise. The ATM would not give back his card and did not give him his money. And it didn't give me a prompt or anything. It was gone. Thank you for calling Money Network. So Don and his wife called the debit card company to request a new card. There was just one little problem. Please enter the number on your card, followed by the pound key. The number Uh on the card. I don't have that. He couldn't reach customer service without the card number, which, of course, he didn't have. By the pound key. Now they're asking for the number on the card. So here I go. You ready? So Don tried to guess the number using digits he found on the debit card insert. I didn't find your card number. We'll try another one. We're sorry. We still did not get the requested information. Please call us back when you have valid account information available. Goodbye. Seven on your side told their story to the he seems to be taking well. Board, the agency distributing this money. A staffer told Don he could reach a live agent by calling a different number and pressing option one, then option nine. It worked. A nice lady came on and she told me I'll have a new card uh, by December 6th. Which was great, but there was just one little problem. <laughs> well, today's what? January what? The card never came. Don tried to call Money Network. Thank you for your call. It is important to us. However, due to high call volume, we are not able to assist you at this time. Please try your call again later. Still, no debit card. Yeah, good spirit about it. Did get this a ten ninety nine tax form? They have oh, hilarious! Seven hundred dollars. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> now that's funny. That is funny. Even have the seven hundred dollars. Ah, amazing! I told you, crazy story. Ah, but now things have changed. We help. I love this dude. He does every story like two sheets to the wind. Again, turns out his card had been sitting for two months waiting to be mailed. The couple just got it by overnight delivery. They sent us this picture. (laughs) They're still happy. As for taxes in the coming days, stay tuned. I'll be reporting on whether this income is taxable or not for you, especially if you never got the money. Lots of folks are in that situation. We're hearing from them day after day. fair if you didn't even get them. Right. <laughs> you got to pay taxes on it. <laughs> oh, goodness. What yeah. a story. Man. Thank you, Michael. Sure. I feel like if the government sends you stimulus of any kind, that it is a needless bureaucracy to tax that stimulus. You should just reduce the amount of the stimulus and make it non-taxable. That or, I mean, or just, just don't tax it, period, or 
work, you know, I, I don't understand. I, yeah, that it boggles the mind. It's like, it's tax, it seems like tax relief, right? And, and economic relief. So why is, why is it being taxed? I understand taxing the lottery money, but this, this doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. Um, I have to actually look, I, uh, look into that to be honest with you, because I know we did receive stimulus checks and I'm guessing it was, I guessing it counted as income and we paid the taxes on it eventually. We oh. didn't get a separate 1099 for it, but, um, I think we had to report it and pay tax. We might've had to pay taxes on it. I can find out. Oh, so here. we're going to, we're going to skip this one story because it's just violence. I and mean, we don't need to run a story that, that the only thing about the story is violence. Oh, what's up with the good wife? People the listening to the podcast, to the bad baby. People are watching that are listening to the podcast. Don't know anything about what just happened, but the uh, bad baby has uh, left the building or maybe just bad left baby the, and, and bad baby's really dirty diaper. I'm so sorry to the good wife. That's going to be, <laughs> That's anyway, be a mess. anyway, let's kind of let's let's keep it rolling here. Our next story is the Millennium Tower, uh, because Always. of course it's the Millennium Tower. But this seems to be good news about the Millennium Tower until two weeks from now we find out that this this good news is probably I don't know I'm I'm not hopeful. Probably not so good. I'm not I'm not hopeful long term on this story. Let's see. We're going to start with some good news for the people <laughs> living in that ritzy Millennium Tower in San Francisco. The Leaning Tower is now Ritzy. supported at least along one side. Investigative reporter Jackson Vanderbecken has been tracking the tower's troubles for years. He has an update on the progress being made on the $100 million project to stabilize it. The Millennium Tower is now being supported on the Mission Street side to six piles. Three million pounds of support is now rooted to bedrock. It's the first time the building has been supported to bedrock since the fix began. In this email, Project Engineer Ron Hamburger briefed residents Saturday. I remember Ron Hamburger. Progress of the fix. Right. He says that as of now, the six piles are carrying He's a about building half the load foundation reinforcement expert. will support. The purpose of this first stage of loading, Hamburger says, is to stabilize the building during the remaining construction, including the excavation along Fremont Street, to tie the 12 piles already installed last year to bedrock. Hamburger said that he expects that just taking some weight off along Mission Street would slow substantially, if not stop, more settlement. Adding the preliminary data shows the early phase has been successful and exceeded the engineering team's projection. Once work is done extending the foundation along Fremont, crews are going to transfer 15 million pounds of weight onto the 12 piles along the west side of the tower. The project is currently leaning more than 29 inches northwest and is expected to offset 4.5 inches of lean at the northwest corner. They've tried to be very fancy in their analysis. But, but internationally recognized tall building expert Harry Pulo says that's less than half the 10 inches of tilting already caused during the fixed work. I don't think there's any cause for optimism here because uh, when you, it's like in a Paul procedure where you building you you're fixing expert. a patient, but you in fact uh, do something wrong and you actually make him worse. But for Hamburger, the primary goal all along has been to stabilize the building and tie it to bedrock. Jackson Vanderbecken, NBC, Bay Area News. So again, this sounds like it could potentially be good news. I am just skeptical. Based well, on everything yeah, we've learned so far about the Millennium Tower, I am skeptical. I, I don't know how you can possibly be unskeptical or optimistic or, you know, even uh, not cynical about this whole thing. It's just, 
it's ridiculous. It's an ongoing saga. So um, I think we, and I think we've heard a few of these stories before, right? Like, oh, this this should do it. This should do it. Um, and even the folks that are doing the fix admit that it's more than likely not going to solve the leaning situation entirely, and the building is just going to be a leaner for eternity, I guess. Um, so good on the folks that bought condos, I guess. And hopefully I mean, they get to sue their I, pants off these folks. I don't know enough about it, but over like the height of that building, if it's like two and a half feet and it stops leaning, I think it's probably going to be fine because that's mm. not a, that's like probably less than a degree. Hmm. But well, I'm, I'm I don't know enough about yes. I don't know enough about these things to like really really say. I just yeah. I just feel like they still need to tear it down. I mean, according I I don't I don't see how they would. They, there's still people living in this building and working and and occupying the building. So I don't see how they could have people occupying it if this it wasn't safe. But then again, <laughs> who the fuck knows these days? Um, yeah, just tear the fucking thing down. And we'll, we'll celebrate it. We'll do a whole down ballot about it when you guys tear it down. <laughs> we'll do an on. We'll do an on location. We'll grab our cell phones. Make sure we have a good four G connection. We'll uh, we'll go on location and talk about it. We'll call it "Got Your Shit Together." <laughs> so um, we're going to move on to we're going to move on to down ballot watch. Um, no, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to get your shit together. And it seems like San Francisco yeah. has gotten their shit together. Uh, in this case, absolutely literally. Um, here's a story about public toilets. The planned restroom was supposed to be built in this corner of Noe Valley Town Square Park. For some people who spend their lunch hour here or bring their kids, a public restroom here will be a much welcomed addition. It would be definitely nice to have a bathroom available, um, not relying on local businesses. But the original cost, $1.7 million, was a shock and triggered a backlash. It is outrageous. I like, I'm not surprised by the outrage, but like, it's... Like I said, it's San Francisco. <laughs> the controversy over the seemingly bloated price tag became so intense, Governor Gavin Newsom paused the distribution of state funds that had been earmarked for the public restroom. Now, the San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department says the new price tag the city will have to shell out is significantly less, $300,000. That's because a pair of companies has teamed up to donate this prefabricated modular potty to the city and offer to pay the delivery and most of the installation costs. I asked Noe Valley resident Bernice Doner what she thinks of the donated restroom. This is what's going to go there. Oh, yes. That looks just fine. They found a lady named Doner to talk about the donated restroom. This is, I would I would do this too. I'd be like, no, no, no. We're going with Doner. We're going with Ms. This Doner. Is, this is lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, it's going to cost the city $300,000 now. Much better. A spokesperson for the San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department says they will be reaching out to the governor's office who paused the money for this original project and ask for a portion of that money to be used for this project and for a similar project at Prashida Park. The Rec and Park Department plans to spend the $300,000 to hire a landscape design firm to draw up the plans for the site, including mechanical, electrical, and plumbing work, and to handle all permitting, environmental review, and other administrative costs. The hope is to have the new restroom installed by late summer. In San Francisco, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. That's great, but now if you have to use the bathroom and you're just visiting San Francisco, you got to figure out how to get to Noe Valley. <laughs> to use the modular potty. Uh, with Christmas lights. Like, I guess for adults, it's fine. Like at night, in, especially in San Francisco, there's a lot of bars. You could just go into the bar and use the bathroom. 
You know, yeah. Nobody will even notice if, if, if the, whether or not the bar is busy, you can just go into the bar and use the bathroom. But these, these things should be everywhere. San Jose actually does okay in downtown. I think there's like four of them that I know mm-hmm. where they're at and they're the just deco ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're fine. They, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe people who have to sit down to pee may have a different uh, view on them than I do, but they're, they're I fine. I was going to ask, you know, uh, relatively speaking, you know, would you feel cleaner, safer in a, one of those public toilets downtown or like, say, the bathroom at the caravan? Bathroom at the caravan, probably, because then I can go get a beer, <laughs> put one of my stickers on the wall. Right. Promotion, too. Yeah. yeah. All, all, all wrapped up into one. If well, you promote it, the bathroom, well, if you promote it, one of the public bathrooms, they actually could actually get charged with vandalism, so. <laughs> Dave was here. Um <laughs> the DJ sucks. All right. Well, uh hopefully they're getting their poop together. That's fantastic and they're going to be collecting poop too. So more power to them. Um we should all be so lucky. I just learned about a program that they had in the city of Mountain View uh offering vouchers to RV owners to collect their poop. Um instead of like, you know, just dumping it on the street or whatnot. Huh. So. Good deal. Good deal. Somebody in chat just said. Somebody in chat just said that you can, you can figure out like you can judge the civility of a city by its public toilets, and I think that's probably a pretty good, pretty good measure actually, because like there's no reason that like in San Francisco there aren't like public toilets all along Market Street. You know, there's there's Mm. just no reason. Sure. I mean, you can also look at the the benches. Are they conducive to sleeping on? Or do they have that bar right in the middle that prevents someone from actually sleeping? Um, do, do all the uh, corners or edges in the city have little skateboard blockers, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The, all, the, the, all the little signals. The, the skateboard. Here. They, they actually... The, the, did you know that the, the, the justification for those isn't to block skateboards? They say that it's to uh, provide you with better traction. As you go down the, the the ramp, the little the little oh. fucking like six inch ramp from the sidewalk oh. to the to the street. Did you know that? It's so you don't slip and fall, Councilman. I've I was today years old when I learned that, Producer Dave. Thank you so much. I <laughs> it's appreciate it. It's for your safety. It's not to stop people from skateboarding. <laughs> well, it's for safety. It's, it's it's to prevent people from skateboarding because it's skateboarding is dangerous, not just for you know, passers-by, but for the skateboarders, right? They fall and they break their ass. So they're, they're, they're saving these people from themselves, really. I would imagine for the skateboarders, those things are actually more dangerous because if maybe you're an out-of-town skateboarder and you don't know they're there mm-hmm. and you're just going and then all right. of a sudden you hit this thing, now you're going to fall. And if, right. you're, if you're on your way into the intersection, you might actually fall into traffic. Yes. Maybe that's the one point, hope- too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one would hope you're, scout- you're scouting this out in advance, but yes, that, that it, it seems like it just creates more danger than it, it uh, solves. Maybe they're literally trying to off the skateboarders with those, because you, 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 know, you come up to that right. about 10, 15 miles an hour, and you hit that, that, th- those little yellow bumps on your skateboard, you're flying, out into the, you're flying out into traffic. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's some cities that are actively trying to kill their bicyclists, so um, by creating facilities that aren't really facilities, they're just like a line on the road so uh, uh tesla might see that and be like oh time to go even if they're stopping <laughs> stop like it's like let's get them get them well we'll hear, we'll hear about that and uh another thing we could even talk about it now if we wanted to it's a quick hit but um yeah i uh 
<laughs> yeah, let's grab. Let's grab the. Since we mentioned Tesla, let's grab. The, let's grab. Well, that this story. is a and this is a callback from uh, from last week. So, uh, for anyone who thinks we don't do callbacks and we don't follow up on stories, we do. Um, this is about the dude who drove his family off the cliff, and it could have been a story like man drives car off cliff with family inside. Right? What the fuck? But no, the whole story was man drive. Remember, man drives Tesla off cliff. And you, Producer Dave, astutely pointed out that whenever there's a Tesla involved in an accident like this, they always point out that it's Tesla. They never say it's like a Volvo or a Honda or a Ford. It's always just if it's a Tesla. If uh, To so, be fair, if it were like a Lamborghini, they might mention it. Possibly. Or they might call it a sports car. I don't, I don't know if they'd actually specifically say Lamborghini. I bet you they'd call it sports car. Sports um, car. Dangerous yeah, sports car. So now, of course, even though the guy is uh, looking to be charged with murder uh, or attempted murder because he was trying to kill his wife and kids, apparently, um, even then, there are some jackasses who want to blame the Tesla. Is investigating whether a driver intentionally drove his car off Highway 1 at Devil's Slide, or also looking into the possibility that it had mechanical problems as well. The CHP arrested that driver earlier this month on suspicion of attempted murder and child endangerment. The evidence pointed to the man intentionally driving the car off a cliff in an effort to kill his family. According to the LA Times, San Mateo District Attorney Steve Wagstaff said his office is also investigating whether there was a problem with the car including the brakes um he, i don't know who knows we'll see but uh can we talk really quickly about a district attorney with the name wag staff i like that name that's very nice that's an that's a very apropos name for a district attorney um anyway we have, we'll, we'll find out but just so you know we do follow up on stories and we do keep tabs so we we will get the, to the bottom of this when the bottom is found um, but in the meantime, let's go to Dan Ballot Watch. So we uh, first up, we got a uh, footage of the Paul Pelosi attack. That's uh, body body cam footage from the cops was released. There were so many news reports on this. I just picked one at random and put it on the docket. To be perfectly honest, I wasn't going to look through all of them to see which one was the spiciest. And we're going to see what we get from body cam footage. What the benefits of it are. We can now see and hear some of the most pivotal moments from those early morning hours, and it all starts at the patio doors that we were all looking at after the sun had come up. Surveillance video shows David DePap examining the back of the home before ultimately smashing his way through. Moments later, the evidence picks up with the 911 call. This is San Francisco Police. Do you need help? Oh, well, there's a gentleman uh, here just waiting for my wife to come back. For about three minutes, Paul Pelosi tries to explain what's unfolding to the dispatcher. He thinks everything's good. Uh, I've got a problem, but he thinks everything's good. At one Whoa, that's, he's slick. That's some mm -hmm. slick shit right there. You say, mm -hmm. my wife is Nancy Pelosi. I'm calling 911, and there's a person here who thinks everything's good, and I think there's a problem. That's a good mm -hmm. way to, like... That's fucking, he's like aware of the situation and like what fucking smart. Mm hmm. That's hell smart. How to get them, yeah. Even joins in on the conversation. Okay, who, what's the gentleman's name? I don't know. What's that? My name's David. Da the name is David. Okay, and who is David? I, I don't know. What's that? I'm a friend of theirs. This is how that phone call ended. No, he, he wants to get that off the phone. 
Several minutes later, two officers arrive at the home, knock on the door, and wait for about 15 seconds. Hi. Guys. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is going on right The body cam video ends... Thank you for not showing that. ...control of hmm. the attacker and calling for medical assistance. DePap's public defender once again blasted the release as a, quote, terrible mistake, unquote, that jeopardizes the possibility of a fair trial. The release was also opposed by the district attorney's office. It's a concern for the defense, and that in turn becomes a concern for the district attorney because the district attorney does not want to provide a change of venue motion to the defense who can then take this case on the road someplace when it's a legitimate San Francisco case. So we have seen and heard some of what was going on in the home, but the evidence also reveals a little bit about what was going on in the mind of David DePap, his interview with police and how he describes that encounter at the front door that is coming up at six o'clock. Yo, like super, like super smart. Cause he, mm. this, he's like that, 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 that was a big dude. And uh, Paul Pelosi's in his eighties. That dude, as you saw, was able to easily overpower Paul Pelosi. And right. so when he was on the phone, he was trying to like act like it was casual. But as soon as if you're calling 911 and you're like, oh, I'm just waiting for my wife to get home. She's Nancy Pelosi. And this person's calling 911. The <clears throat> you don't drop that name unless you're like trying to give some information to the person on the you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. No, absolutely. He did, did very, very good. Staying calm, keeping cool, acting, you know, even though probably a really fucking tense situation. I remember just watching the video of the guy breaking into the house and it's already given me tense. Um, so yeah, good on him and got the information out, got, the, got what he needed and good on the cops for, for getting there and well, at least stopping something even worse than from happening. But, and then when, uh. like when they said, Oh, you know, how do you know him? And he's like, I don't. And then the person's like, I'm a friend of theirs. That should have oh, been like, the, that should, the, the, the dispatch should have like, is, I don't know. If you're like a, if you're like a public figure or a politician, and you call nine one one, like as soon as the dispatcher finds out that you are a public person and that you're calling nine one one, they should almost ignore what you're saying if you seem calm or whatever, and just fucking send mm -hmm. the cops like immediately. Yeah. Because there's yeah. stalkers out there. Like it doesn't have to be a politician. There's stalkers if you're a if you're a famous musician, a famous actor. Right. You're a film producer. If you're somebody whose name or who's, you know, if you're the, your spouse is a name people know, <clears throat> you're not going to call 911 all willy-nilly and fuck with them. You're a public person. It's a bad look to do that. Yes. And so. Absolutely. So I, you know, that guy, like he was woken up by this person. This person had a weapon and just the, I don't know, even know how he convinced the guy to let him make a phone call. Like. I no no idea. Other than they were having like a casual conversation, like, "Hey man, I'm good. How you doing? I'm just waiting for your wife. Cool, cool. Hey man, bro, I gotta make a phone call real quick. Okay, is that cool? Yeah, yeah, we're good, man. We're good. Cool. So who knows? Maybe he didn't. Maybe uh, didn't uh, whatever the invader, the pape, the invader didn't even know that he was calling nine one one. Maybe he figured he was calling like his uh, 
friend or his daughter or something. Who knows? Um, because he was being, like you said, really chill and and, and kind of cagey and kind of cagey. And like that's the thing is like you would think that the operators, if if somebody's being like kind of cagey with you, <clears throat> I, you would I would think that that would be a reason for you to be alarmed, like for you mm-hmm. to understand that something the fuck is going on. Like right. if you're like super casual and kind of cagey and not really saying what's going on. And then if you're a public figure of any kind, like if you're the mayor, if you're a fucking council person, if you're a board of supervisors member, if you're, if you're the head of the homeowners association, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, totally. That, that casual demeanor and the describe, Oh, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. This is really clear. Like what's, what's going on. I don't know. Uh, maybe this dispatcher already was dispatch like calling the cops and trying to like play along to make make sure the other end of the conversation sounded casual. More but, than likely, I mean, it, a lot of times once they find, you know, a call comes into nine one one. My experience is call comes into nine one one if they can, you know, it sounds or if they can legitimately say something's going down right now. Right, like they, as far as I know, they dispatch for like right away once they have an address and they keep someone on the line if they feel the need to. Right. Or if it's if it would help them um, in terms of their safety, um, so yeah, I, I imagine she, uh, the dispatcher, uh, you know, sent out the, the word right away. Yeah, and chats mentioning that the cops seemed awful cash, considering one of the guys had a hammer, and it, it was kind of clear the other guy was trying to hold the hammer to prevent like it from swinging. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Some of the propaganda around this was that they were both holding a hammer. Well, that's kind of true. But that's like if you have a gun that you're trying to shoot me with. Now we're both holding the gun because I'm trying to point that fucker in, fucking thing into the air. So now we're both holding it because I don't want to get shot. The only, best way for me to not get shot is to try to have some control over where the gun's pointed. And so, mm-hmm. and the the, the right wing conspiracy mill about this is still going crazy. They're like, oh, what was Paul Pelosi doing in his boxers? It's like motherfucker, he was asleep. Oh, like when that when that happens, are you like, oh, you know what? I really need to get khakis and a polo. At two thirty in the morning, yeah. I yeah. go to bed in khakis and a polo. Honestly, when I'm really tired, I don't know, I've definitely fallen asleep with my clothes on before too. But that's usually like usually not not a decision, right? <laughs> do you own khakis and a polo? I do, I do. Oh, I figure maybe one day somebody's going to sue me, and I'm not going to wear a suit. But you know, <laughs> no tie, no tie. Anyway, all right. Well. uh what else do we have on down ballot tonight? We got a Bart face is a possible funding crisis. Oh no. Bart face. Sounds like a really bad name to call your sister. <laughs> that, you know, this crisis is upon us and we need to have a vision. Bart's board of directors getting real about its financial future. We're going to start having to consider austerity measures if we have not coalesced around a path forward, you know, starting as soon as this June. The issue is ridership. Since the pandemic, it's still not on track. Pretty empty. Um, some of them seem pretty dirty. Bart says ridership is increasing, just not fast enough. About 150,000 people are riding daily, compared to 400,000 daily riders pre-pandemic. That's a problem considering about 70% of Bart's operating budget has historically come from fares. Bart ridership is currently at 40% of pre-pandemic, and that's all because the Bay Area has embraced so much the work-from-home culture. 
BART HAS RECEIVED MORE THAN A BILLION DOLLARS IN FEDERAL AID TO HELP SUSTAIN SERVICE, BUT THAT FUNDING IS EXPECTED TO RUN OUT BY 2025. IF THAT HAPPENS, THE TRANSIT AGENCY IS PREDICTING POTENTIAL CONSEQUENCES LIKE FEWER TRAINS, STATIONS WHICH OPEN LATER AND CLOSE EARLIER, STATION CLOSURES AND LINE SHUTDOWNS, NO WEEKEND SERVICE AND MASS LAYOFFS, NEGATIVE IMPACT ON TRAFFIC AND CLIMATE, AND SOME POPULATIONS RELIANT ON TRANSIT COULD BE IMPACTED. OR NO BART SERVICE AT ALL. I mean, are these scare tactics? Or are these real possibilities? It is a very real possibility when the federal emergency funds run out and there's no more money and people are still working from home that drastic service cuts will happen. Bart says it plans to ask the feds, even the state, for more funding, even though the governor has proposed slashing the budget for public transit. State Senator Scott Weiner is an ally for Bart and all public transit, writing to his colleagues in Sacramento for support, tweeting, I'm optimistic, we'll make progress on transit in the budget. Bart says it may take the funding issue to the voters as a transportation measure. Some writers say BART is their only lifeline. It's, it's important to have BART because we need a green option. We don't all need to be driving our cars all over the place. Cornell Bernard, ABC 7 News. <clears throat> that would be Amen, a disaster. Norton. Yeah, absolutely. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It, it would be a mess. No matter how many people are writing Bart right now. And um, it's it's not just it's like possible. It's not just like people that are trying to go to work or whatever. It'll it'll absolutely fucking destroy like people coming in for tourism. Because the great thing about flying into SFO since they made that extension, you get off your flight, you go to baggage claim, and depending on where your baggage claim is, you walk thirty to forty feet sometimes and get on the train. Yeah. And it takes you to downtown San Francisco. Yes. Boom. And the hotels and the fun stuff. So, yes, this is not not good. Um, I do think there are, I'm not going to say it's entirely scare tactics. What it is is you, typically this is the kind of narrative you start when you're about to drum up a ballot measure, right? And a, a funding measure. Um, so you get people ready, right? To give, ready to give of themselves and their tax money uh, to support the system. And people will do it if they think it's existential right if they think that if if i don't do this this you know bar could go away um so that's the kind of narrative they're selling already that's what it smells like to me at least which and it's not it's i'm not saying it's not true they're probably in deep financial straits and they're probably looking at big deficits once you know uh relief funds run out um and it's yet to be seen how much uh and how quickly things are going to come back with transit so uh it, it, it's entirely possible that they're in a really bad situation, but I also think this is, an, like he said, you know, it wasn't scare tactics, but it's certainly an uh, early narrative trying to make sure that they sell the the need for more tax dollars. This is a this is a good um, candidate for some transparency. Actually, Bart opened up their books and we're like, here's what's going on. Yeah, well, I mean, theoretically, they're supposed to, right? Like, it's all pub. It's a public agency. They're that's a that's an elected board that sits there on the BART board. The only reason we don't get to vote for them is because only up until recently, BART didn't come to Santa Clara County or to our jurisdictions, so we had no vote um, or no say. Uh, but yeah, the, the, theoretically, their budgets are completely public that you can you can look up everything that they do, and I'm sure some watchdogs do, but um, they can always cook their books too. Well, I mean, this would be a time for them to uh, um, not just open up their, but like start releasing information like in a, mm -hmm. in a public relations sure. fashion. Sure. Oh yeah. 
absolutely like this this is what's going on right um i've always thought that was the in any crisis situation that is absolutely the best policy and you and i've again I've talked about this before i think this is your predilection or your preferences just own it just come out say what happened if you need to apologize apologize just do it you know don't dilly dally don't wait around don't try and fix the the piles and drive them into bedrock right tear the building down answer to what you did and you move on and people will move on it, you're more than likely you know, you're more likely to move on and get past it than you are if you don't do if you don't get out in front of it right either way you're going to get burned so you're going to might get less burned if you own it up front and let, you know just explain it and then people can make their own judgments and pass judgment and then they can move on yeah, I mean, in this case, it would just be, um, I mean, it's seriously a matter of sending your, getting your representatives on the, on the nightly news weekly yeah. to be like, yeah. we have Dude. this much money, we're spending this much money, we're going to yeah. have a real problem on this date. Right. So we need your help. Right. We need everybody's help. This isn't, this isn't, you know, this isn't some big government thing here or whatever. This is how, yeah. this is how some people get to work, how some people get to their recreation. Right. Do you not want right. to get to that? Do you not want to get to the A's game? Like, do you yeah. not want to be able to get to San Jose to go, to go see the, to go see the 49ers without your car? Do you, do you want to have to drive to downtown San Francisco and find parking? If you're just going to union square, like, do you want to have to wait 45 minutes for your train to head back? If you, yeah. if you went like the, there's just all these, you know, it, it, this is like the, definitely a case for them to just go out and be like, here's what's going on. These are the budget deficits we face. These are the numbers. And, uh, you know, this is, this, this is the wall we're eventually going to run up against if we, if we don't fix this problem. Maybe they're afraid of highlighting the mid-level managers who are making way too much money for the jobs that they're doing. But that's like a drop in the bucket. Like, well, it's, it, it depends. A lot of the bloat usually is at the top, um, in, in organizations like this, um, even in public agencies, so, but we'll see. I, I, I agree with you. I think open the books. This is what's going on. As long as they're okay with, as long as they're comfortable with what's being shown, right? Not even just open, like advertise, advertise mm. oh, the yeah, budget market. shortfalls. Yeah. Sure. Like, well, put signs oh, on Bart about like, what's going on. That's well, that's exactly what that is, right there. That's free advertising, is what that's called. That's that's sounding the alarm, and then the press picks it up, and so they're they're getting their first salvo out there through the, the local media. Um, that was the Bart spokeswoman right there, right, given the the company line. So yeah, they're already doing it. They're marketing it. Someone in chat says Bart should have a Kickstarter. They should just do a GoFundMe. Bart should have a Why Patreon. Why not? It seems that I, seems like a bad idea. Anyway, we always end with like a human interest story or an animal interest story, and I would like to introduce everyone to Selfie the Bear. Well, there is a very camera-savvy bear in Boulder, Colorado, and you're looking at him. Not only has the curious critter been drawn to a wildlife camera, it's also managed to strike a pose, and there are numerous selfies. City officials set up the camera last year, hoping to learn more about the wildlife in the area, and they got quite a surprise. Normally, a bear might keep its distance, but this one seems to truly love all of his angles, or her angles, at that. Oh, <laughs> I love running stories like that at the end. I know it's not a Bay Area story, but I figure we can get away with it. Everybody, everybody, much love and critical support to Selfie the Bear. I gotta love it. Thoughts and prayers to Selfie the Bear. Yeah. Uh, so this week's show was it was what it was. We had a we had a we had a cry, we had a crying baby, and then we ended with a um, with a very vain forest creature. 
So I feel like I feel like we covered the gamut of what was going on. We also talked about the Millennium Tower. Um, Babies and bears. So everybody, make sure you stick around for local love. We have Walter Campbell, formerly of NVS. If you're a fan of this network, yeah. you know the song Nice Guys. That's by NVS. Also, the song Then Gwen is by NVS. We have a live performance by him as well as an interview. Nice. It should be great. And you might make some new friends in chat because Walter has been promoting this fairly heavily on the social meds. Although getting people mm-hmm. to leave Facebook for any reason has proven to be challenging, and we've had to uh, we've had to build our community through something other than our Facebook page. Make sure you support Echoplex Media. There are a lot of ways to do. You can go to echoplexmedia.com/support. Uh, my favorite way is our merch store, and we're killing it. Shout out to Fourth Wall. Uh, use the code NOWSPACE in all caps to get ten percent off anything in that merch store, or don't if you'd rather just give us extra money. And of course. As the councilman says, get a vax, wear a mask indoors when appropriate, pants are optional, this is Audible Smoke, this song is called Locals, and uh, we'll be back in, I don't know, 20 minutes with Local Love. Everybody hang out and enjoy the local music. We'll be right back, or in 20 minutes. Thanks, councilman. Peace out. To get the party started Pick up my phone Just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice For the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car Just to get to where they are Here at the local scene Is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette And I hold my drink I look at all my friends They're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage Waiting for MTV Where are those guys Who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand Ready to blaze for me About five minutes later We're all singing We left in the book of monsters and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car To smoke another one what? And another one Woo! Now just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight. It's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside. To spark up another joint, now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rolly on the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'm probably doin' sloppily We do what we want What we want 
wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live? Then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.